Welcome to the Hunt the West podcast, where it's all about getting outside, having epic adventures, and experiencing the outdoors. At Hunt the West, my only goal is for you to get out and hunt. And today we're going to be talking about coyote hunting. Now, I'm no expert coyote hunter by any means. Um, I've killed a couple and I've had a lot of close encounters, but I know this can be one of the most difficult type of hunting that people come across. So I'm going to hopefully help you cut down on the learning curve and at least just get you started if you're just starting out or if you've never gone and you want to try it. Now, calling coyotes is a pretty difficult thing just because they're really, really smart and um, they're smart everywhere, but especially in Utah, there is a, a lot of the coyotes are educated because they're hunted a lot here and that is mainly because that there's a bounty on them the government will pay you fifty dollars if you kill a coyote and turn in the ears and the lower jaw so that causes a lot of people to go out and hunt them and because of that a lot of the main roads have been hunted and called before and they are hard to kill anyway even if you do know what you're doing and so a lot of the coyotes have been called before another thing that makes it really difficult is that you have to call them in. So you have to know what kind of sounds to make, what, how to set up your stand, how to play the wind in the right way so you get the best chance of having a coyote come in in an area that you can shoot it. And then a lot of times the brush is really high and they blend in really well. They can go, you know, they can duck down and just disappear. So there's a lot of different ways that you can set up a successful coyote stand but we're going to talk about all that from a beginner's perspective because I don't consider myself an expert and I know it can be really difficult. So if you ever have joined a Facebook group on hunting coyotes, you'll know that this is a really common question is like, where do I go? Like, where do I find a place to go? I hear them all the time, but I don't know where I can hunt them. Like, what's the best way to find coyotes? And the answers are usually, they're everywhere. Just go figure it out. And to a certain extent, that's kind of true but it's also not very helpful. So the first thing you got to do is find a place to go. So chances are you have an idea of where you've seen coyotes before, maybe while you're out deer hunting or something. You've seen them, you've seen their tracks, or you've heard them on the side of the road, or you've seen them crossing the road. Like Anyway, you've got some kind of idea of where they might be. And the truth is they kind of are everywhere. At least in Utah, you can find them everywhere. There's a map on the Utah DWR website that says recommended recommended areas for coyote removal, and it's essentially the entire state, except for the Great Salt Lake. So you can basically find them anywhere. So I want to talk a little bit more about specific areas and geographical features that you can look for to help you find a good place to go. So the easiest way to find a place to go is to find a road that parallels Um, mountain range. So those coyotes like to hang out wherever there's food and water. And that tends to be, at least here where I hunt in Utah in the deserty areas, that tends to be on the benches of the steep mountains. So not way up in the steep stuff, but on the benches a little bit below where the water tends to run off and then plants tend to grow and little critters tend to hang out and that's what they eat you know they eat rabbits and mice and whatever and then you want a road next next to it or nearby because you're going to be setting up calling for about 20 minutes or so and then you're going to move about a mile and then set up again and so the easiest way to make the most of that 
is to have a road to travel on. Now, consequently, this is pretty much what everybody else is doing. And so a lot of these roads have been driven on and called before. But that doesn't mean that there's not any coyotes there. He's just, you've got to find them. And you might have to get a little bit more creative than the last guy that drove through. Okay, so find a road that is below a bench on the side of a mountain. Or a road that goes up and through. And depending on which way the wind is blowing, I try and drive into the wind so if the wind's coming from the south, I start from the north and I come headed south. And that way you can stop, make a stand, and then move forward. And y- your car is, your the, the coyotes can smell your car too. Like they know what gas smells like, e- exhaust and stuff. Like they know that means danger. They're smart. So by driving into the wind, you're going to have that scent cone going behind you and you have a lot more area to cover. So I like driving into the wind as I set up my stands. And that's not always possible. I mean, you're not always gonna be able to find a road that you can drive on that is going into the wind, but ideally that's what it would look like. So let's just talk about the basics of a coyote stand. So I call it a stand, that's what the terminology that is used because you're going to set up either an electronic collar, which is a speaker that you can remotely use to play prey distress sounds or coyote howls or whatever other sounds that are going to bring in a coyote and you're going to walk out into an area you're going to hide your car so that they can't see your car because seriously every little thing if something is out of place they're going to know and they are going to hightail it out of there so if they see your car if they see you if they smell you if they smell your car they are going to boogie and you're not even going to know that they saw you which can be really frustrating. I remember one time I was in this perfect area. I had come in with the wind in my face. There was this nice little basin, this little wash that like there were coyote tracks everywhere. And I came over into this basin. I set up, it was a perfect setup. It just snowed. Weather conditions were perfect. Like I could see coyote tracks everywhere. There was rabbit tracks everywhere too. I set up the stand. I'm like, this is going to be money. And I set it up and I stayed for a long time and I did not see anything. So I packed up and I went to walk to the next stand. And in this case, I wasn't paralleling a a road. I was out farther away, which is one thing you can do, by the way, to do something different than everybody else is get off of the road and kind of hike in between stands. It takes longer, but you'll get some fresh territory that way. And it was snowing pretty hard. I'm pretty sure this was a Christmas Eve that I went out. As I left that stand, I'm like wondering what the heck happened and I went out into the wind and well I was kind of going backwards and I kind of backed out of that stand and looped around and I saw fresh coyote tracks coming straight toward where I just was and it was snowing really hard so I could tell that these were like really fresh like within the last 30 minutes probably because of how hard it was snowing and how fresh they were because if they were any older than that they would have filled up with snow so I followed these tracks just curious where they went and they went straight in behind me they got directly downwind for me and then they booked it out of there so they were coming in the back door and they caught my scent and left because i as soon as they i could follow the tracks they went right to downwind of where i was standing and then they turned and left the other way so that was one that came in the back door that i didn't see because i wasn't looking that way and i had no idea that it was even there because they're just so quiet and so stealthy. So if they even get the slightest wind of you, um, you can basically call it because they're going to get out of there and you're not going to even know. If they smell you, you're busted. 
If they see you, you're busted. And if they smell or hear your car, you're also busted. So you got to be careful about how you hide your vehicle and how you set up so that they can't see you. So the obvious things are you don't want to be stand or sitting on top of a ridge where you're skylined, where the sky is visible behind you. Um, they're going to see you, you know, moving your head, looking around. They're going to see your outline and they're going to know something's out of place. So a way that you can best mitigate being seen is to be camouflaged. So you don't need to wear fancy camo and everything. There's, I mean, it's pretty arguable whether camo really works. I think it helps. I think it helps you get away with more than you would had you not been wearing camo, but it's not a necessary thing to have to hunt coyotes because you can break out or break up your outline pretty easily just by sitting in front of a bush or in front of a tree or something and having your back to it. You don't want to sit behind a tree or a bush because then you can't see and you can't shoot through it and it limits your range. Even if it's a small bush in front of you, it'll hide you a little bit better, but you won't be able to move or shoot very well. So I say you should set up in front of a bush, in front of a tree where you have a good range of motion where you can, you have, you know, 120 degrees of vantage where you can direct your rifle anyway, or your shotgun or whatever you're using, or maybe even up to 180 degrees. I don't know. It's sometimes depending on the terrain, you might not have that range of mobility or ability to shoot in all those different directions, but Ideally, you're going to have a lot more or as much range of motion as you can possibly have. Okay, so you've hidden your car, you're walking with the wind in your face, and you, what are you looking for? How do you set up? So I try and get pretty far away from the road as far as I can without um, compromising my setup or finding a, you know, I'm not going to bypass a really good place that's 50 yards off the road just because I need to get farther, but sometimes you're not able to. And so you have you got to set up closer to the road. But ideally, I, I like to try and get as far away from the road as, as possible to maximize my stand location. And so the biggest thing that you're going to want to do when you're setting up your coyote stand is to be able to see a lot of area. If you're setting up on a hill that goes down and you can't see the bottom of the, the wash or the drainage or whatever's below you, you're going to want to move up and move closer down so you can see the bottom too. Coyotes like to use the bottom of riverbeds and stuff to travel just like we do. It's easier, it's hidden, and I've had them pop up right in front of me. Not right, in front, like 50 yards in front of me. And I wasn't even ready for it because they are just they just use the terrain so wisely. So this one time, I'll tell you this story because it's another fail of mine, but it, it was something that I learned. So I was facing kind of uphill just because it was a big area. And I was, normally I'm facing downhill, but for this one, I was facing uphill and the wind was going right to left. I had the call off to the right so that anything that came downwind from my call, because they're going to try and get downwind of whatever their sound they're hearing and try and smell it before they come in close. And this was in February, I think late February. So this is mating season for coyotes. And so I using I was using a lot of howls, coyote howls and coyote fighting sounds and stuff like that because it's a really probable sound, a, a sound that they're probably going to hear at that time of year. So I had my howls going and, you know, I have my, I'm all set up comfortably. I have my gun pointed downwind from the call 
off to my left a little bit. And all of a sudden, there is a coyote 50 yards in front of me, right in front of my muzzle. Like my gun was already pointed at him and I didn't even see him come in. Like all of a sudden it was standing there and he was looking straight at the call at the call. So he's standing broadside, looking straight to the right, right where the call was. And I, I put him in my scope and I squeezed the trigger and the safety was still on. And so I looked down, I put the safety off. I get back on my scope and he's already running out because he was 25 yards away from the call and he didn't see what he was expecting to see, which was another coyote. So he knew something was wrong and he booked it. Even he didn't smell me. He didn't see me. I could tell because I could, I mean, he was right there. He didn't see me. So he, in the time that I was putting the safety off, he turned and ran. And by the time I got on him, he was too far away and running and I didn't take the shot. So that was one that I should have gotten, but the coyote outsmarted, outsmarted me because I didn't see him coming. So that's a good example of how they use terrain to get close to something without you being able to see them. So you're going to maximize your opportunities by being able to, or by putting yourself in a position where you can see as much as possible. And so you want to be able to see the bottom of those ravines. You want to be able to see the whole sides of basins. And ideally you can just see a lot and so that kind of brings us to call placement so if you're if you're using an electronic caller which i kind of recommend they can get really pricey but i'll leave a link to the one that i use which is kind of a budget one you don't get as many sounds and but it's still way loud and you can control it remotely which is what you need and what that does is it gets the attention off of you and onto something else because even in that last situation, had I been using mouth calls, it would have popped up at the same place or downwind, like off to my left. And it would have been looking straight in my direction and would have probably had a better likelihood of seeing me. So with an electronic caller, you can hide it in a bush or whatever. You can play a rabbit distress sound. And then they're looking for a wounded rabbit, which is really small and it can hide behind sagebrush. And it's not looking for a human. So it gets the attention off of you and gives them somewhere else to look, which is really advantageous for you because while they're looking in that direction, you can get a shot off. So take that electronic collar and you're going to put it out in front of you in a place where if the coyote comes in downwind of the call, you're going to be able to get a shot. So usually that means putting it upwind from you because you are going to be downwind. Um, I, I really like having a crosswind or the wind in my face or slightly to the side. So I like having a crosswind because it allows you to see the whole area where the coyote would be coming in. So sometimes that gives you a better chance of having the coyote come in back door, like behind you because they're coming in from an angle and then they loop around to get downwind of the call. And sometimes they don't even care about the wind. They come straight in upwind and they don't check the wind before they come in. So that's great too. But nine times out of 10, they're going to be coming in downwind of whatever sound they're hearing. So you want to play that to your advantage. So you're going to put the call upwind of the area where you can see and where you can shoot. So depending on the terrain, you're going to put it between 20 yards away from you on the short end out to about 100 yards away from you. Depending on what the terrain looks like, where you think the coyotes are going to be coming from. I realize that I keep switching between coyotes and coyotes. I don't know. They're the same thing. I use both. Just whatever comes out. So wherever you think that they're going to be coming from, 
you're going to put the call in a place where if they came downwind, they're going to be, you're going to be in an area that you can see and shoot. And how you approach this area is really important too. So you want to have the wind in your face or at least a crosswind. And you're going to be going in there into this area where you're not going to be blowing your scent through the area that you're going to be calling into. So then you're going to place that call out there. You're going to back up, get back to your spot. And usually you're going to be sitting down in front of a bush. Sometimes I, I bring a little stool, you know, it's like a foot off the ground just because it's a little bit more comfortable to sit for a long period of time. They also have these really cool chairs that I've been looking to get that have, it's like a backpack with a pad on it and it holds you up. It's like a stadium seat kind of, but for hunting. And you can put all your gear in the back of that and then it has a seat built in and so you're not sitting on the snow. But I use a little bit of a stool and I'm going to be linking all the gear and stuff in the show notes. So you can go to huntthewest.us slash 16 and see those notes. This is episode 16, so just go to huntthewest.us slash 16. And if you want, you can see all the things that I've been talking about. So you get in a, in front of a bush or a tree or something that's going to break up your outline behind you. If you want a perfectly ideal sta- stand, the sun is also going to be behind you so that if something is coming toward you, it has the sun in its eyes and you are in the shadows. So if you can get in the shade, that's even better. I think the best conditions for coyote hunting isn't like an overcast day where it just snowed. It's like perfect. The coyotes really become active in the cold, just like any other animal. And you're going to have a better chance of them being active and looking for food on a cold day, especially after a storm. So you're going to set your call out there. You get sat down where you can see and where you are hidden. And then I like to wait a couple minutes just in case something was watching me that I, I, I check for movement and everything and I without playing any sounds, just in case something saw me and is running away from me. So I'll wait a couple minutes and then I'll start on a low volume. And this goes for mouth calls or for electronic calls too. I start with a lower volume just in case something is close and you're not going to blow it out of there just by playing a super loud sound that's going to scare them. You want it to sound natural as, as natural as possible. So I'll start with like a little cottontail distress sound or jackrabbit sound or a coyote pup distress, some kind of prey distress sound. And I'll put it at, a, at the lowest volume and I'll play that for about a minute and then wait maybe two minutes and then just look. And constantly I'm just moving my eyes. Not I'm trying not to move my head because they pick up on the smallest little movements. And a lot of times they'll come and they'll stop and they'll sit and they'll scan just like as if you're looking for something that is like when you're looking for something, you stop so that you don't have that relative motion going on with your movement. So when you're not moving, it's a lot easier to see movement. So they do that too. So when they stop, they'll stop, they'll sit down on like a little knob or something and they'll be scanning and looking for any movement, anything out of the ordinary. So if you're looking left and right, moving your head around a lot, they're going to pick up on that and you're not even going to see them. So I try and just move my eyes. And if I do move my head, I move it really slowly and I'm just scanning. So I'll wait two minutes after that and then I'll play it for another minute or so. And I'll slowly increase the volume and kind of go through that one minute on, two minutes off. And I might play 30 seconds and then wait a minute and then come back on for a minute and then off for two minutes. I just kind of play with it and do what I think sounds natural. 
and that will go on and I usually I'll look at my watch and I'll go for about 20 minutes and I'll slowly increase the volume until I'm at max volume and then at the end sometimes I'll just wait three minutes without making any sounds just in case something has been coming from a really long way away and it's taken them a long time to get there I'll wait for that that coyote to come in so if I don't see anything then I am going to go out there, grab the call. I'm going to walk back to the car and then I'm going to drive about a mile minimum because that's about the distance. And you know, the terrain features can kind of dictate that a little bit too. If you think there's a big mountain that you're going to go over into the next little basin or something, and you don't think anything in that basin heard your calls, then you can stop short of a mile. But normally I'm going a mile plus between stands and I'll drive on that road and then I'll walk up into an area that I can Again, with the same formula, somewhere I can see, somewhere where the wind is blowing my scent away from me or away from the place that I'm going to be hunting and places that I've seen coyotes before or where I've seen tracks or scat or something to indicate that there's coyotes there. And I'm going to be honest with you, 95% of the time, I don't see anything. I'm not a professional caller. I know that there have been times when I've coyotes have come in and I just haven't seen them or I see them for a split second just as right as they leave which is super frustrating there was this one time I had a really good area and there were coyote tracks everywhere this is another time I think this sounds like the same story I just told is different but I had my call out there in front of me and I hear crunching in the snow And I know it's like a four-legged critter because of the way, the cadence that it was happening. So I hear this crunch, 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 crunch off to my left. And I look over and there's a coyote again, 30 yards away from me, but he was straight downwind. He was like kind of behind maybe eight o'clock, you know, just off to my left, behind me kind of, but mostly off to my left. And I hear crunch, crunch, crunch. And then I I whip my rifle around to try and get on him. And by the time I even got my rifle pointed in that direction, never saw him. And he was pretty close, like 30 yards. So I kind of ran over there just in case I could catch him running away. And I saw his tracks. I saw where he had skidded out and, and turned to run, but he just disappeared. Like I saw him for that split second and then he was gone. So I'm sure that has happened a lot of times where I didn't even see them and didn't know that they came in and I thought that there's just nothing out here. But that's how coyote hunting goes. It's just, it's tough. So you got to learn how to enjoy just the scenery, enjoy being outside and enjoy covering country. Like I love just, you know, walking through the desert. It's one of my favorite things. It's just so peaceful. So a, a lot of times it's not about getting something home or getting a nice piece of fur a lot of times it's just about being out there and enjoying the outdoors so don't get discouraged if you're not seeing things if you're not getting opportunities or getting shots or animals down because it's it's hard and these there's a reason these things live and survive in the wild they are some of the most successful predators in terms of reproduction and scope and abundance they are, I mean, they're, they're everywhere and they're in all 50 states, maybe not Hawaii. I don't know. There's probably coyote in Hawaii. If, if you know if there's any coyotes in Hawaii, email me, skylar at humpthewest.us. So they're for sure in every state in the lower 48. They can live in a wide range of climates. They can live in cities. They can live in the country. They can live everywhere. 
there was a time that I had gone hunting or coyote hunting for two days in a row or something. And my wife came home and was like, yeah, I saw one cross the road in front of me on the way to work. I was like, what are you kidding me? Like I spent all this time out hunting coyotes and then you see one like a hundred yards away from our work building. We work at the same place. So yeah, they can live anywhere. You're going to have a lot of struggle. So I just don't want to get your hopes up thinking that you're going to go out and be super successful your first time. You might be, but I've been hunting coyotes for three years now. I The last year or so, I haven't gone out very much, but before my kids were born, I went out all the time and I, I was going twice a week, basically year round. And I've only killed two coyotes and I've shot at several more, but, and missed. Um, but they're, I mean, they're just tough to hunt. So the, the, I'll tell you about the story of the very first time that I called in a coyote. So I don't know where I learned that you could call them in using predator sounds. I don't know if I saw it on a YouTube video or something, but I was like, I want to give this a shot. And I didn't want to spend $250 on buying a Fox Pro electronic collar. So I downloaded this free app on my phone. I think I mentioned this in one of the very first episodes of the podcast, but I never told the story. So I downloaded this free app that you could play sounds just using the speaker on your phone. And I would hold that in my hand and then... I had my dad's deer rifle. This is before I even had a rifle. I borrowed my dad's rifle, his 270 Winchester, and I had this free app on my phone and I went out at the crack of dawn and started playing predator sound or prey sounds. I keep saying predator, like rabbit distress sounds and stuff. And no joke, the very first time I went out to this very, like the very first time I went to this area, I called in a coyote and I saw him and I could hear him walking in front of me going back and forth back and forth but I couldn't see him because I was not in a very good position I could hear the snow crunching going back and forth and kind of he was pacing in front of me about I don't know less than 100 yards I could hear him going back and forth in the snow and so I slowly stood up and he saw me when I stood up and then he bolted and I took a shot at him while he was running but I missed I mean, you can do it with a free app on your phone. Like you just need to make a sound that they're curious about. And especially earlier in the year. So after they start getting furred up, you know, in late, like mid-September, somewhere in there, they'll start getting their winter coat, depending on where you are. But that's when most people start hunting them is in the fall. And they'll get that winter coat on. And a lot of those coyotes are new and they haven't been called to before. Because, you know, the, that year's litter has never been called to because most people are just hunting them in the fall so at that time in the year they're really curious and they can you can start playing on their need for food at that time you know right after the first winter storm you know some of those males have started venturing out on their own they're looking for new territory you can get in there and play on that curiosity instinct that they have and play a sound that maybe they've never heard before like a woodpecker distress or something so out in the desert, you know, there's not that many woodpeckers, you know, they hear a weird sound like that or like a bobcat distress or something like that. A sound that they've never used or heard before and maybe another hunter hasn't used. You can play on that curiosity note and they'll come in and just curious looking at me like, oh, it sounds like something's in trouble. I wonder if I can get a free meal out of this. So that's another way that you can get coyotes to come in in heavily pressured areas. So the 
second coyote that I killed was in an area. It was that same area that one that I missed that came in to my left a little bit that I saw just for a split second. It was in that same area. There's tons of coyotes in that area, but it's also a place where people go off-roading and stuff. It's like BLM land and people go shooting out there and stuff. And so I was out there and this is on a really windy day, which is normally really bad for calling. Uh, I It was the day that I had off of work. And so I decided to go anyway. And I had done, I don't know, 10 stands and hadn't seen anything. And by this time it's, you know, 11 in the afternoon or something. It's like midday. It's been windy and I'm not having a good day. And so I went on top of this little mountain thing where it had a big cliff below me and I put the call in the bottom of the ravine thinking that the coyotes would be trying to get out of the wind and using that corridor and then I laid on top of this bank it it was just too exposed to do anything but lay down so I laid down prone and I could see over this whole area and I've been calling for like 15 minutes and then all of a sudden I see a coyote silhouette come up over the mountain in front of me at like 200 yards and it wasn't coming in fast it was just kind of like walking slowly normally they're like trotting coming in pretty fast but this one was just walking really slowly and it came in it was skyline and it sat down it was just looking listening to the rabbit distress sound or whatever i was playing and so i paused it and i thought no maybe the silence will get his curiosity like oh maybe the thing that i heard is dead now and he'll want to come in so i paused it and he just still sat there and I waited a couple minutes and because he was skylined at 200 yards, I didn't want to shoot that. I wanted him to come a little bit closer, drop down below the skyline so I could have a backstop. So I waited a little bit and then he still just sat there. So I changed the sound to like uh, coyotes fighting. I think that's the sound I use. I used a sound that I don't normally use and I pushed play on that and immediately he stood up and started trotting down lower and he and then he came in about another 100 yards or so trotting and then he stopped again and that's when I shot him and it was just the perfect setup it had been like 25 minutes a lot of people only call 15 minutes but this one was 25 minutes before I could even get a shot so keep that in mind too is that you might need to go a little bit longer in areas especially that have been called a lot but that's how you can kind of play on their curiosity Because if I hadn't seen that coyote, I might not have changed sounds. So you can play that. uh, That's something I do at the end of stands too. Um, I'll usually pause it and wait. And sometimes I'll throw out a brand new sound and just see if that a new sound will bring in something. So switch it up, get creative, play on that curiosity that they have, that natural curiosity to come into something that they've never heard before and use that. And that's a, that can be a really deadly tool. I say really deadly, like it worked for me once, but (laughs) I mean, it was deadly that day. So I'm sure it would work in other circumstances and it just makes sense. Coyotes are just like dogs, you know, like, I mean, they are dogs, but it's just like your domestic dog at home. You, you can play, like you can use a squeaker toy or something and they'll just be like, what is that? And just totally entranced by it or like a feather blowing in the wind or like a laser pen. They just get so curious and they want to know what it is. So that's another little tool that you can use is like a decoy, not a decoy like a fake coyote that you stick in the dirt, but they have these things. I use a Mojo Critter. It's this little battery powered spinning feathery fur thing. And it just spins around. It looks like a dog toy. 
it spins in the air and it stops and it flops around a little bit. It kind of looks like some kind of wounded animal. And so you can put that out there next to your collar and play a predator stress sound. And if they hear it, but then maybe they've heard that sound before, they can see that decoy and, and confirm with their eyes what they're seeing, what they're hearing with their ears. And that'll help them be less wary and come in to something that they've never seen or heard before. I think those critter things are like 25 bucks. You just take it out there. It has a little stake on it. You screw the stake in, you stick it in the ground, and then you just put click a button and it spins around and, and it pauses and it flops around a little bit. It's got like a little spring on it. You can just look up the Mojo Critter. I think that's what it's called. I'll leave a link to it in the description or the show notes, whatever they're called here. <laughs> so go to huntthewest.us slash 16. You can see that and there'll be a link to that in the description here in the show notes. I've never personally experienced this, but I know those critters, those decoys, those things can get coyotes to come in full force, like charging in because they are convinced that it's something that they want to eat. I've seen videos of of bobcats and coyotes just like biting the call because they think it's something, you know, they're so convinced. And that's essentially what you want to do. I've never experienced that personally, but I've seen it on videos, and so it can be really effective. I've even had hawks come in and try and grab the critter because they hear the sounds just the same as coyotes do, and they come closer, and then they see that thing wiggling around. And I've had coyote or uh, hawks come in and try and grab it from the sky. So that's, it's pretty effective. It looks like a dead or a dying creature. So that's another thing that is really useful. Um, I think the biggest thing, the biggest problem that people have is they don't know where to go. So hopefully this kind of helps you find a place to go and how to set up your stand and a few little gear things that you can use to get started. Coyote hunting is one of the funnest things. Like, you know, it's, you can move around a lot. You only have to be able to sit still for like 20 minutes and you see stuff out there. You know, when you're walking around in the desert and walking around, looking at tracks and stuff, you, t- you just find cool stuff. I've had badgers come into the call. Um, Got to check your local laws and see what are what you're allowed to shoot and what you're not. So in Utah, bobcats and badgers, and I think those are the only two things that would really come to a coyote call or like a predator call. But those are considered fur bearers, and you have to have a fur bearer license in order to shoot those. But yeah, they... Uh, it's it's a fun thing that like you get stuff coming in that you'd never otherwise see. I've seen a great horned owl out when I was coyote hunting. Um, I didn't even know that those were in Utah, but I've got a video of one. It's through my scope, or I've got a picture of one. It's through my scope on my rifle, so it looks like I have the crosshairs pointed on it. But it was just the only optic that I had at the time, and so I wanted to take a picture. So if I can find that, I'll post that in the show notes too. Um, but yeah, coyote hunting is really fun. It's it's good to help bring down those predator numbers to help mule deer and elk populations. You know, they can do some real damage on fawns in the springtime. So keeping those numbers down in the winter, it can really help keep those fawns alive and have more deer and elk around. Plus, they can do the same things to cow, you know, cattle, calves, and and other livestock too. I've seen sheep out in the middle of the desert that were killed by coyotes or at least scavenged on them i don't know if they hunt them actively but it wouldn't surprise me if they did i've seen coyotes attacking full-grown deer too 
So it's not just fawns. They attack everything. They, I mean, they're just hungry. They need to eat. I think the majority, I mean, I'm not a biologist or anything, but I think the majority of the time they're eating mice and, and rabbits and small stuff, but they will occasionally take down big stuff. And then in the springtime, I know for sure that they target those fawns and calves when they drop. So hunting predators can be really effective for conservation and helping other populations stay at a healthy level. And the fur is really valuable too. You can sell it. You know, Again, check your local laws and regulations so you are being legal and shooting stuff in season. Some I'm, Most places around the U.S. don't have a season for coyotes. It's just open all the time. I know in Utah, it's open all the time. You still have to follow the shooting light requirements. You're not allowed to shoot at night or using a spotlight. Um, I think you can get permission from your county sheriff, but you know you just have to check your local laws. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a DWR official or whatever. I'm just a dude with a podcast telling you stuff. So don't blame me if you do something wrong. So just get out there, have a good time, pick up some of these gear items if you think you need it. Um, a really cheap way to go is using that. There's a free app. Find a free app that has predator calling noises on it. Um, the next cheapest thing is probably a mouth call, like a reed. You can use your elk reed. If you elk hunt, you can use that same reed and just make some yips and stuff, and you can make some really convincing sounds on a, on a mouth call. I tend to use electronic call, and then I always have a mouth call in my pocket just in case I feel like I want to use it. And sometimes I'll use it to add like a dimensional, like a like a three-dimensional element to my stand. So it seems like oh, I'll put howls over on the e-collar and then I'll have like some predator. I'll make some predator sounds with my reed in my mouth. Um, you can also have your electronic collar howling and then you can also make howls with your mouth. You know, it just adds like a new dimension to it that I think is really useful. So I'll leave a link in the description for the show notes, huntthewest.us slash 16. Go there and you'll see my gear items. Um, and by using those links to purchase things like the Amazon links, those will be affiliate commission links. You help out the show by using those. You, If you make a purchase through one of those links, I get a small commission and it doesn't cost you anything extra. It just helps me out. So if you want to make a purchase, make sure you purchase through those links. It'll help me out. And again, whenever I recommend products, I only recommend things that I've used personally. And if I haven't used them, I will disclose that too. So I'll leave a link to all those things that I use for my coyote calling setup. I'm 99% sure I bought all of it on Amazon, including the electronic caller that I use, which is one of the cheapest ones that you can get. And that Mojo Critter, the little dancing furball thing that I use, which is also an awesome tool. Also leave a link to the little stool that I use and my tripod that I use to set up. So I, that's my, that's my setup. I sit in a little stool. I have my gun on a tripod and I use an electronic collar and the mojo critter. That's my setup. And I'll leave links to all that again, huntthewest.us slash 16. So get out there, grab the next piece of gear that you need Get out there, find a coyote, call in a coyote and shoot it and uh, tag me in the pictures if you find if you get one. I'd love to see what you guys are getting. You can follow me at, on Instagram at huntthewest.us. That's where I'll be posting. I'll post a picture of me with that coyote that I shot on that super windy day and get out there and hunt the west.